Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, February 9th. In today's news, senior White House officials knew for months about domestic violence allegations against Rob Porter, and they did nothing. Another former West Wing aide says she's worried about President Trump. And the FBI may have intercepted a possibly key conversation between Carter Page and Steve Bannon. But first, the big idea. Rand Paul's short-lived government shutdown is ending, but his warning about Republican hypocrisy on the deficit reverberates. Republicans are all Keynesians now, but not Rand Paul. As he forced a brief government shutdown overnight to draw attention to his party's hypocrisy on deficit spending, Kentucky's junior senator was the living personification of William F. Buckley's definition of conservatism. Standing athwart history, yelling stop at a time when no one is inclined to do so or to have much patience with those who so urge it. He said this during a fiery floor speech. I ran for office because I was very critical of President Obama's trillion-dollar deficits. Now we have Republicans hand-in-hand with Democrats offering us trillion-dollar deficits. I can't, in all good honesty and all good faith, just look the other way because my party is now complicit in the deficits. The deal's passage was never in doubt. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell knew he had 71 votes and he only needed 60. Speaker Paul Ryan had the votes locked up in the House by yesterday morning. But Rand wanted the chance to introduce an amendment and he used the procedural prerogatives of a senator to throw up as many roadblocks as he could until about 1.30 a.m. when the time allotted for debate expired. The House passed the bill just after 5.30 a.m. on a 240 to 186 vote. President Trump was at the White House ready to quickly sign it to reopen the government, which had closed at midnight. The bill authorizes the U.S. government to spend about $500 billion more over the next two years and suspends the debt ceiling until 2019. Most of this new spending is not offset with cuts elsewhere, which means that the $20 trillion national debt will grow significantly. 60% of the new money goes to the military. The rest goes to domestic programs. This is the largest increase in federal spending since the stimulus package passed during the depths of the Great Recession. Republicans universally opposed that bill in 2009 on the grounds that it would increase the debt too much, even though it's about the same size as what they just passed. The only differences between now and then is that, one, they're in charge, and two, the economy is firing on all cylinders and doesn't need stimulus. Rand doesn't have a totally clean nose here. He voted in December for the tax bill that will grow the debt by more than $1 trillion over the next decade, and possibly more. Because Republicans slash taxes and are now jacking up spending, the nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget forecasts that this bill ensures permanent trillion dollar deficits. The projected deficit in 2019 is now 1.1 trillion. But GOP leaders are incensed at Paul for hammering on this point because it makes them look bad. And members in both parties were perturbed that they had to burn the midnight oil. If he had fallen in line, they could have gone to bed at a reasonable hour. But making his fellow Republicans uncomfortable was the whole point of the exercise. As Paul said, We have a 700-page bill that no one has read that was printed at midnight. 
No one will read this bill. Nothing will be reformed. The waste will continue and government will keep taking your money irresponsibly and adding to a $20 trillion debt. Even if he's a lonely voice in the wilderness, the Kentucky senator has proven once again that he can make himself heard. Some will say, oh, you're responsible for this. It's all your fault. Well, if I'm responsible for drawing attention to the debt, so be it. Somebody has to do it. I didn't come up here to be part of somebody's club. I didn't come up here to be liked. I didn't come up here to just say, hey, guys, I want to be part of the club, so I'm going to always vote with whatever you tell me to do. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, senior White House officials knew about domestic violence allegations against Staff Secretary Rob Porter for months before news reports surfaced this week. And they did nothing. White House counsel Don McGahn knew one year ago that the top Trump aides' ex-wives were making damaging accusations against him about serious and repeated violence that they suffered while married. But McGahn wanted Porter to remain in his position because he saw him as a professional in a White House that has been chaotic. Even after alarmed FBI agents flagged some of their findings to the White House in June, Porter stayed on. McGahn also didn't act when he learned that the domestic violence claims were delaying Porter's security clearance, or when Porter's ex-girlfriend contacted him directly about the allegations. Meanwhile, Chief of Staff John Kelly learned last fall about the abuse claims, but nevertheless gave Porter even more responsibilities to control the flow of information to the president. A White House spokesman wouldn't answer questions about who knew what when. All he would say is that they, quote, could have handled it better. Number two, former Trump advisor Omarosa Manigault Newman tearfully dished on her time in the White House Thursday night on the debut episode of the CBS reality TV show Celebrity Big Brother. Before her stint at the White House, Omarosa became famous as a contestant on Trump's former reality TV show, The Apprentice. Just like she was fired from that show, she was fired from the White House in December by John Kelly. On Celebrity Big Brother, she told a fellow contestant that she was haunted by Trump's tweets every single day that she worked in the White House. Like, I was haunted by tweets every single day. Like, what is he going to tweet next? Does anybody say to him, what are you doing? I mean, I tried to be that person, and then all of the people around him attacked me. Amorosa offered a grim view of the administration, telling that other contestant, quote, it's not going to be okay. A White House spokesman dismissed her comments, saying she had minimal contact with Trump when she worked there. Number three, former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon spoke to former Trump campaign aide Carter Page about Russia when Page was under FBI surveillance in January of 2017. Politico reports that the significance of the FBI recording depends on the content of the conversation. Page has so far been vague about it, and Bannon hasn't answered questions. But the probable interception means that the FBI surveillance of Page may have touched one of the highest-ranking figures in the incoming Trump administration just days before the inauguration. In other intelligence-related news, the House Intelligence Committee 
is now planning to construct a physical wall to separate Republican and Democratic staffers who work in the committee's secure spaces. This partition is the brainchild of committee chairman Devin Nunes, the mastermind of that memo that came out last week. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, February 9th. Before I go, I wanted to point you to our newest daily show. It's called Retropod, and it's hosted by my colleague Mike Rosenwald. It's a show for history lovers, like me. Every weekday morning, you'll get a cool story about a forgotten or surprising moment in history. Retropod launches on Monday. Check it out on Amazon Alexa, Google Home, and your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you on Monday.